Amen, amen. Let's go to 1 Peter, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, 1 Peter chapter 5 today. And today I want to continue my series called The Path to Promotion. Are you ready to go higher? 1 Peter chapter 5, notice with me again in verse 5, likewise you Younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So the Lord gives us the recipe here, doesn't he? Tells us how to live a higher life, how to be promoted, how to be lifted, how to to be elevated or exalted. The path to promotion is humility. And the proud get resisted, but the humble get lifted. So you can see which camp we want to be in. Um, If we can identify in our own lives uh, where, where humility exists or where pride exists, then we can make the necessary adjustments in order to go further. Uh, we can make adjustments to remove elements that hinder God, God's promotion or his plan. His, his will, his design, his purpose for your life is not lowly and insignificant. You don't not matter to him, but sometimes we occupy a lowly, insignificant place because we allow pride to to exist in our hearts and it blocks us from his purposes coming to pass in fullness. Amen. And so pride then loves to promote itself. It, uh, It is enamored with position and title and prestige and recognition. It desires others to know that it is important. And if you've never had this kind of attitude creep up in your own mind, then you're probably not human. <laughs> we have all dealt with this, and we need to deal, to deal with this because uh, it's the flesh. It seeks to be recognized and, and honored and promoted and, and likes titles and And if we've accomplished something, and many people have accomplished some good things in their life, uh, doesn't want it to be ignored. But that's, it's, that's pride. You know, if we've had an education or we've had some accomplishments, some victories, we've proved ourselves in certain areas, uh, pride wants, wants to lead with that. And if you've earned a title and someone ignores your title, it a little bit annoys you if you're proud. No, it's, hmm, it's doctor. It's captain. It's <laughs> whatever. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's that pride that, that, that wants that. It seeks that. It craves that. I need to be appreciated by other people. Now, it's not wrong for us to appreciate other people, but we get into error when we start... Um, letting it be our survival, our food. If I don't get it, I'm insufficient, I'm down. No one likes me. No one appreciates all the things that I do. Quit it, you proud thing. 
humble yourself, let God promote you. That stands in the way. You know, it's been said that if, if, uh, uh, if you live by the praises of men, you'll die by their criticism. And so we seek to live somewhat independent of what people think of us and get our consciousness filled with the approval of our Father in heaven and to where, to where he is glorified, not we are glorified because of what happens in life. Amen. I was stirred about the word appearance this week and uh, appearance. How much attention should we give our appearance, how we look or how things look? Uh, When does that get out of balance? When when are we off? When is it motivated by pride? And when when is is, is it proper? And uh, numerous verses, I, I want to read this one to you first. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 7, Paul writes to them and says, Do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. Now, Paul's making his defense to these Corinthians about his apostleship and saying that even from the natural fleshly standpoint, um, he's really qualified. Nevertheless, uh, when you read his writings, you'll find out that he knew that his, his position, his authority, his apostleship did not originate from the outside. It was not because he looked the part, he was highly, a highly skilled orator. You know, he would say things like, when I come to you, to this same church, when I come to you, I come not with man's wisdom. Uh, I come to you, um, what's the second chapter, 1 Corinthians there, um, I come to you basically in demonstration of the spirit and of power, okay? His, his qualifications were not just in, of human origin what they could say, oh yeah, you learned this at this school, you've accomplished this through your experiences. He said, no, it lies in the power of God. It lies in God's approval. Let's say it that way. God's blessing, God's gifting upon my life. And what they were, they were caught up in this outward thing. This, this same passage in the, in the Passion Translation reads, you seem to always be looking at people by their outward appearances. And I think sometimes we may fall into that same trap, always making judgments based on external appearance. Uh, but these things can be overemphasized and sometimes very misleading. Um, if you have impressive characteristics, uh, you can, let me say it this way. If you have, are not super <laughs> impressive by man's judgment or externally, you can still be a very impressive person. Did I say that clearly? I didn't get a whole lot of like, I'm excited about that, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm saying no matter where you are, if we get our focus on the right thing, everyone can be an impressive individual. It doesn't mean you're seeking it, but you are it. All right. Uh, We don't want to put on a false front. And that's often where pride lives. It's putting on a show. 
It's putting forward a certain image, speaking a certain way, think, acting a certain way. And the, the motive in it is not just like being your best self. The motive is not, you know, making the most of what I have. It's all about being mindful of what someone else thinks. Okay, sometimes it's driving a car you can't afford. Why would you do that? Well, you know, again, sometimes the motive is I want other people to think highly of me. I want them to think I'm successful. So even though I can't eat (laughs) because of this car payment, bless God, I look cool driving down the road. Windows down. Music up, boom, boom, boom. Why would you do that? (laughs) Speaking of that, why would you do that in any car? (laughs) Stop at the light, roll your windows down with the music cranked. Not because you can hear the music better. (laughs) It's trying to impress. It's trying to draw attention. I'm something. And it's pride, and it's really ugly. It really is. It's ugly to God, and we want to have that that same perspective. You know, uh, sometimes... We fall into this trap with other things we do, even clothing. Sometimes uh, people comp- overcompensate for, for their inward deficiencies by being outlandish in what they wear. Uh, sometimes it's by wearing name brands that are impressive. I, I want to be cool. And if I'm wearing this brand and everyone knows it, they know it's expensive or it's in. And that's their motive. And again, why? Why do we care what someone else thinks? Y'all got quiet on me. You're messing with my brand. (laughs) Now, you can like a certain brand. You can like certain companies and clothing and all that kind of stuff because of what it is, and you're willing to pay whatever. I'm just saying the motive. Sometimes it gets wrong. We're trying to impress people. Sometimes youth fall into that heavy. Teenagers, they're real conscious of that, going to school and wearing the right clothes. We've dealt with that, some of, some of that when our kids growing up, different ones, it's like, this is the same thing as that. In fact, it's better. Yeah, but it's got the wrong logo on it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> but it's all about appearance sake. And it, go, it goes to pride. You see it in conversations. When, when we start name dropping and you know someone important and you, are, you rub shoulders with some pretty significant individuals and so every time you get around someone new, it's going to come out. It's only going to be a matter of time and you're going to let them know, oh, I'm friends with and I've been around and I know this person and, and so forth. Well, why do you do that? Like, why do you do that? <laughs> because you want them to be impressed with you. Amen. Now, I get it. Sometimes it's contextual, and it's not coming from a heart of pride. Someone told me even after first service, they were telling me something, and they said, by the way, I'm going to name drop here. <laughs> I said, listen, I'm not judging your motive in that, and we shouldn't be doing that. I don't know that, but I want to judge myself and say, why, why, do, I, why do I say this? We've seen it around uh, Amy, and I've seen it around preachers. And you get around them, and for just within a very short time, they're talking about their experience with brother so-and-so and apostle this and evangelist this and all that. Why? Because they're very successful and very well-known, and it just always comes up in their conversation. And it's like, eh, I see what you're doing here. 
Um, name dropping. I remember when uh, a friend and I, uh, years ago, uh, we used to, uh, I'm talking 30 years ago, we used to work out together. And, uh, and so we'd lift weights. We'd go to the gym and lift weights. And uh, neither of us were huge or bodybuilders or, you know, he was a little bigger than me, but we would work, we were close enough. We could work out together. And I, and I remember we'd, we'd do, we'd bench press. Some of you who lift weights, you know that you got the bar and then usually, you know, for guys at least, you know, you kind of start off with the 45 plates, the 45 pound plates, and that's kind of your warm up, And then you kind of build up depending on how strong you are. And so we'd do that. And then we'd go up to whatever we were at, you know, or 185, and then you go up to 205, and, and then you go up to 225, and, and some of you are saying, no, that's my warm-up. I know, but <laughs> you're big. You're strong. Uh, but what happens is, is you would add, you know, a 25, and then you would add a 10, then you'd add another 10, that kind of stuff to, as, as you're building up to higher, higher weights. But when we got to uh, 225, instead of just going from like 205 where you're doing your reps there, and then adding another 10. See, that doesn't look so good. You take all those off and you put another plate on and you clink them together. Why? Because now you've got two plates on each side and uh, you make the sound and you feel like you're strong until that other guy comes in, you know, (laughs) picks your weights up and throws them over. But at least for where we were, we were like, hey, yeah, we're friends with two. Why would we waste our time taking off the little plates and putting on the big plates? Appearance. It appe- What's the difference in weight? It's the same. But appearance, we have to watch out for. <laughs> Why do you do what you do? Why do you say what you say? Don't go around judging everyone else's plates. <laughs> Because you don't know. You really don't know why people do what they do often, but we should analyze ourselves for this reason. The Lord sees all and knows all, and he wants to promote us. So if we can see ourselves trying to live life, impressing other people, get it out. Trying to do things just for appearance sake, get it out. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6? Many of you are familiar with Matthew 6, although there may be some who don't even know who Matthew is, and that is okay. He's a cool dude. He used to work for the IRS, (laughs) and then he got saved. (laughs) He was a tax collector in Israel and then followed the Lord. Okay. (laughs) I added that other part. Matthew 6 and verse 1, look at the words of Jesus here. He said, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. What's the motive? To be seen. Don't do your charitable deeds, not period. Don't just don't do charitable things or give to the poor. Don't do it to be seen by men. Otherwise... You have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's pretty powerful. You you do this with that motive, and it undermines, takes away your reward from the Father. Yeah. If you do it to be seen by men. I don't know when I read this, 
I get this visual of the people standing behind the big check on TV. <laughs> we gave X number of dollars and dun da da presentation. Guess what they have? Their reward. That's it. What is it? Everyone went, yay. Now, I recognize that it's possible that someone else wanted them to do that and they weren't trying to present themselves and someone else asked. There might be a different motive in there, so I'm not gonna go absolute in judging that giver. But, but I, I, I do know this. There is something of value to the Lord when someone does something and they're not seeking anyone to know it. You're not getting any free advertising out of it. <laughs> not getting any free promo. Just God knows. It takes faith to do that. Verse two, uh, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. All right, so no trumpets. Do, do, do. Here I come doing something great for God. Do, do, do. Otherwise, you have your reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men." They're praying. Why are you praying? So other people see me pray. Isn't that pathetic? It's pathetic, totally, when someone else does it, right? <laughs> to do something for appearance sake. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What's their reward? The approval of men, the approval of people. They saw them and said, yeah, they're spiritual. They're amazing. I say to you, they have the reward. Verse six, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who, who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, I want you to notice that the father is not seeking to keep your giving and, and your praying a complete secret. He just doesn't want us to be the promoters of what we do. The motive matters. It's not that the Father doesn't want anybody to know that you pray and that you give, right? He wants to be your promoter. He wants, and how does he promote? By rewarding you, not in secret, but rewarding you openly. Pray, give to the poor, how? In secret, where does the reward come? Openly. So you, in other words, he's saying you can pretty much see who prays and who, who gives. Now, even if you didn't see him pray and you didn't see him give, you can see outwardly because they have rewards in their life. And that's God's way of doing it. He wants you to be rewarded. He wants you to be so blessed that people come to you and say, what's going on? How come everything's clicking for you? Why are you so blessed in your life? Well, since you asked, this is kind of how I do things. But it's not done for the purpose of impressing them. Many religious activities are engaged in, not with God in mind, but with people in mind. I'll go to church, all right, for you. I'll pray if I have to, just to appease certain people's expectations. Amen. 
And, and sometimes it can even happen in, in church. People will even answer altar calls, salvation calls, like we do at the end of the service, uh, because someone else is watching. Now, we're going to assume people's motives are right, and I do that. I'm not going to question people in the middle of the activity. But I know through experience that sometimes there are guys that will answer an altar call because of their girlfriend. Because she's really good looking. And she doesn't want to be with an unbeliever. She doesn't want to marry that heathen, so he has to get saved. And so he'll answer the altar call. Say, does he get saved? I'm not the judge of that, but I know if it's for that motive, I'd say no. You know that when we, we uh, at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year, we'll give like praise reports and celebrations for how many people got saved in the previous year in our services. Um, do you know that we actually don't know that? I don't mean we're grabbing a number out of the dark. We have actual names. That's what it's based on. But... Do you know we actually don't know who got saved? If 10 people come up here in a, in, a, in a few minutes and pray and receive eternal life, do you know we don't actually know if 10 people got saved? Now, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not the judge of that, but that's between them and God. If someone does something for a wrong motive, wrong reason, they're doing so to be seen of men, I'm thinking the new birth didn't happen. You know what I'm talking about? You can't totally know what's happening inwardly with someone just by their outward acknowledgement or activities alone. We've got to be inwardly motivated. Praise God. Colossians 2.23 says this about following regulations. He said, these things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So it's possible to do certain good-looking, attractive, uh, quality activities and behaviors, but it not actually benefit. Why, why, why is that? Because it's fake. Because it's put on. It's done for the wrong reason. And you can follow certain regula regulations, but not get any personal victory through it. And if you've been around here for very long, you know that we are not interested in just going through the motions. We are not interested in just doing church or just doing religious activities to check a box and saying, good, I prayed, I gave, I worshiped, I sang, I served, check the box, now I'm good for my week, I got a clear conscience. Blah, take that out of here. You go into some cult or something if you wanna do that. We believe in a living God and a real relationship and we are accepted by the blood of Jesus and nothing else. And our serving and our giving and our worship comes out of that, it doesn't cause that. And if we ever flip that around backwards, we've just become a dead religion. Okay, so it's not about just following, it's about the motive, it's about the response we have to God's goodness towards us. When you see it, you'll be thankful. When you don't see it and you think you're all that, you'll be proud. Hallelujah. Now, Peter wrote some things uh, about conduct. And in one passage, he was writing to husbands and say, do this. Wives, do this. And a couple of things he said specifically to wives, I want to read be, because not that this is a, a, a marriage thing that we're using here, 
But I think the principles go beyond the husband and wife relationship and because he talks about humility. And I think it applies to all of us in some level. So lest you think I'm you know, just totally taking something out of context, uh, I am. <laughs> but you judge if I'm misinterpreting, but you can see it for yourself. It's 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. He writes, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Okay, consider the language of the Lord here first. This is very precious to him. What does he think of pride? Remember Proverbs 6? He hates it. It's at the top of his hate list. The proud look. What does he think of the gentle and quiet? That's meek, that's humility. Quiet spirit, it's precious to him. So he loves this behavior. Now, in thinking about that, not only in, in the wife role, but in all people, I'm asking about appearance, still talking about appearances here today. How much attention should we give to appearances, how things look, to uh, how we look, our, our own outward appearance. Does it matter? Let me start by this. I believe appearance does matter. I don't write it off and say, oh, just you know, look your worst. Don't take care of your, your vehicles and your home and your clothing and, and just because none of that matters. I think that's a ditch. And really, when you read the scriptures in one place, you'll find that the Lord inspired the writer to talk to wives about taking care of themselves inwardly, but the purpose was to win their unbelieving husbands to him. Now, how many know an unbelieving husband is not attracted to the Lord because she prays all day and looks like a slob. I mean, even the Christian husband doesn't want that, let alone the unbelieving husband. The more you go to church, the uglier you look. I think I'll get saved. No, that's not what he's saying. So a, just like a husband, an unbelieving husband, a believing husband wants his wife to look her best, uh, we should. We know that him saying these statements, Peter writing this, is not saying that the external or the outward should be written off completely. Don't pay attention. No, make bring your best self. Take care of yourself. That's right. What's he making the point here? He said, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart. Let your focus be inward. Let your focus be that. So how much time then should a person, whether you're talking man or woman here, but how much time should a person spend, how much attention should they spend on themselves? How they look, their hair and their makeup and their clothing and their physique and their, 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 their physical life. How much time should they spend on that? I have an answer for you today. You ready? How much time is it going to be? 
Here's what it is. Let, <laughs> we should spend less time on that than we do the inward. You say, well, that's not really very specific. Look at your own calendar, your own time, look at your own day, because this is common amongst people, is we prioritize outward things and minimize, deprioritize our spiritual life. Meaning, we're not gonna miss our, I've gotta get ready. So we prioritize the shower and the fixing up, or I can't miss my meal, or I can't miss my workout, or I can't miss the, I got these things to do, I don't have time for, and then prayer gets left out, and Bible reading, and church, and serving, and, and spiritual activity gets left out. What are you doing? You are living for appearance sake. You've made the outside more important than the inside. Everybody okay? I know that's a really strong word. I'm not just talking about time spent in the bathroom. You know, I'm talking about thought life. I'm talking about everything. How much time do we spend to uh, deal with our inward condition? our heart of humility versus, I don't care if someone spends an hour getting ready, how much time do you spend with the Lord? How much time do you, will you spend in church? How much time will you, will you spend in your relationship with God? That's where we've gotta get things balanced and in the right and in, in proper place. Or we'll find, you know what? I'm not living for the Lord's glory, I'm living for my glory. And I think really if someone has their inward life in order, I think that's gonna make them look better on the outside too. You're not gonna spend a bunch of time truly with the Lord and your outward just goes to pot. You know, I, I think the Lord will help you to be, to make the most of your life, uh, whatever it is on the outside, if you prioritize your inward condition or as Peter writes here, the hidden person of the heart being clothed with humility, this quietness. See, often someone who's insecure is also proud. They, they almost seem like opposites, but they're not. They go hand in hand. The insecure often portrays themselves the loudest. They're the loudest because they're, they're trying to compensate for their inward weaknesses. And we gotta get the inside fixed so we don't have to put on a show. And we can just be ourselves, confident, Secure, knowing that we're loved, knowing that we're accepted in the beloved, in Christ, right? That, that, that he's for us and not against us. Often the loudest are the most insecure and the most proud. Sometimes you hear this from supermodels. They say, yes, uh, in the supermodel business, you have the most insecure people in the country. Which almost seems crazy to those of us who are average. Think, you are beautiful. You are like perfect. But yet they are so often, I'm not saying everyone, but so many of them are so conscious of every flaw they might have, everything constantly analyzing.